Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Kimberly Robinson. And I'm Jordan Rubin. And this is your SCOTUS sneak peek for the week of February 24th. After a four-week hiatus, the justices are back. And then we'll hear four cases this week. Jordan, do you want to tell us how we're going to kick this off? I do. First up is a big environmental case involving a proposed billion-dollar natural gas pipeline that would run through the Appalachian Trail. The U.S. Forest Service, an arm of the Department of Agriculture, approved the Atlantic Coast Pipeline, but... Conservation groups sued, arguing that it's up to the National Park Service, not the Forest Service, to make that decision. The Fourth Circuit agreed, and Atlantic Coast appealed to the Supreme Court, complaining that the appeals court's decision upsets the company's massive investments in a pipeline designed to get natural gas to Virginia and North Carolina for the benefit of millions of Americans. The Trump administration is on the company's side. And so now the justices will be getting into the weeds of federal laws like the Mineral Leasing Act to determine who has the pipeline approval power. And so for more on this one, check out our most recent deep dive episode where our colleague Ellen Gilmer went out to the Appalachian Trail and talked to the parties involved in the dispute. Well, fun. Up next on Monday is Apati versus Sudan. And this involves the Foreign Sovereign Immunity Act's terrorism exception to the general rule that foreign countries cannot be sued in U.S. courts. So here, the foreign country is Sudan, which was found to have provided material support to al-Qaeda related to the 1998 bombings of U.S. embassies in Kenya and Tanzania, which killed more than 200 people. Now, a federal court awarded the victims and their families some $10 billion, more than $4 billion of which were in punitive damages. And punitive damages are specifically allowed under the statute that was passed by Congress to allow suits against foreign countries that provide material support to terrorists. But the law wasn't passed until about a decade after the bombings actually took place. So the question for the justices is whether the law applies retroactively or whether it must scrap the $4 billion punitive damages award. All right. So on Tuesday, we have just one case, and it's one that presents a trifecta of hot-button issues, crime, free speech, and immigration. Evelyn Sinenning-Smith was prosecuted under a law that bans encouraging or inducing illegal immigration or residence. She was an immigration consultant who deceived immigrants into applying for programs that she knew they weren't eligible for, effectively causing them to stay here illegally. But the Ninth Circuit struck down the law that she was prosecuted under, saying it violates First Amendment free speech protections. The appeals court noted that the law could punish a grandmother who encourages her grandson to overstay his visa. The government says it's actually not interested in just going after speech. It's interested in going after profiteers, noting that Sinening Smith was convicted not just of encouragement, but of doing so for financial gain. So we'll see if the court, which has favored First Amendment claims in recent years, will side with Sinening Smith. And if not, advocacy groups warn that not just loving grandmothers, but human rights activists and even lawyers who give immigration advice could be in danger of prosecution. What about unloving grandmothers? Would they be, would they be okay? There's the a law? circuit split on that, and so maybe uh, some cases cropping up. So might have to wait till next term to get on that. All right. Well, uh, up last is Lomax versus Ortiz Marquez, and this is going to be the only case that the justices will hear on Wednesday, February 26th. And what's going on here is what counts as a strike for determining whether a prisoner can file a free or IFP suit. 
So federal law generally prohibits prisoners from bringing such suits if they have previously brought three or more suits that have been dismissed as frivolous. Here, the question is whether a dismissal without prejudice counts as a frivolous suit such that the prisoner has to pay the filing fees in order to file their suit. The question has split lower federal courts six to two, and now the Supreme Court has agreed to weigh in. Well, that'll do it for this week's sneak peek. Make sure to tune in for next week's sneak peek episode that includes previews of some big cases dealing with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and abortion access. But until then, you can follow along with the latest at news.bloomberglaw.com. From Washington. This is Bloomberg Government's Down Ballot Counts. Hey there, I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor for Bloomberg Government. And I'm Greg Giroux, senior elections reporter for Bloomberg Government. Check out our podcast, Down Ballot Counts. Those aren't the only down ballot races we're watching, are they? In states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Will Democrats be able to defend their majority in the House this year? Will Republicans keep their majority in the Senate? Are there other members who wish to record their presence? Each week, Greg and I will be breaking down all of those down-ballot elections that make up the fight for the U.S. Congress. 26, and that is the number of women who will be serving the United States Senate when it swears in Georgia Republican Kelly Leffler. Along the way, we'll cover all of the numbers that matter. So a really interesting thing is how much national security background and experience so many of them are bringing to this job and interview key players in the congressional elections. Listen and subscribe to Down Ballot Counts from Bloomberg Government wherever you get your podcasts.